Welcome to Fast Cars, Fast Girls. I'm your host, Abby Meyer, and this week we have with us Tim McGrain from M1 Concourse, which is quite the facility. But Tim, thanks so much for joining us this week. Abby, you're welcome. Uh, we wanted to, we're recording this a, a little early, but it'll drop closer to the uh, Detroit Grand Prix. So we wanted to kind of coincide that because that's that's close to where your facility is located. You're up in Pontiac. We we are. So we're at the uh, we're at the far end of Woodward Avenue in the city of Pontiac, and uh, the Grand Prix uh, being downtown Detroit. Well, actually, Belle Isle. Next year they come back to downtown Detroit. It's uh, true. They're they're at the south end of Woodward Avenue. They are. They are. So excellent. Yeah, I'm excited uh, for it to come back downtown. I think that'll be a fun change. It will be. I went to the event last year. I moved to Michigan uh, the early part of last year. I had not been to the Grand Prix since it was last on the streets downtown. I think it was one of the uh, I think it was the first year that IndyCar had come uh, was at Detroit um, going back a number of years. So it will be exciting. There is something about a street race circuit. There really is. There really is. We've had uh, we they added in Nashville this last year and we've got that again this season. And there is just something something very cool about a true street circuit. Yes. So not that Belle Isle wasn't beautiful. (laughs) It is. It is a beautiful place to have a race. So so tell me more about how you kind of got into racing. Uh, Did it start? When you were, I think I read in some of your your history that it started when you were even um, a young boy. That's correct. Um, you know, in in England, I grew up in the southeast of England. Um, you know, cars or motorsports are, are a major sport. You know, out here it's 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 football, basketball, baseball. Um, in in England, you know, motorsports is is depending upon the time of year. Um, you know, one of the top sports. Um, and uh, I just, you know, my father was in the car business um, and I just had a passion for cars from very early on. Um, and, you know, you say early on, I got a picture of me on my fifth birthday in a pedal car that my parents bought me. Um, and, and I was all very serious in this. And I suspect if I, I'd been passionate about soccer or cricket or something else, I would have had a picture of that on my birthday present. But I had this this pedal car. Um, so, uh, you know, it started at an early age and, and it continued right the way through. And then, you know, a passion became an opportunity a number of years ago to, to start working in the business. I started in the uh, collector car auction world as, a, as an actual position I took. But I, I volunteered for a local uh, chamber of commerce committee when I lived in Palm Springs and a group of us decided that, you know, we all like cars and let's put on a a vintage car race. How difficult could it be? Uh, Well, we found out how difficult it could be, um, but it actually became successful. And that uh, we we brought in another promoter uh, to run the event and he brought in an auction company. And I got connected with a gentleman named Rick Cole, who had uh, at the time, you know, one of the leading auction companies. And that's how I ended up getting into the classic car auction business, which has taken me into different aspects of the racing world as well. Excellent. Well, and there's just something about classic cars, you know, they're called classics for a reason. They never go out of style. They always look good. I think even if you don't know anything about cars, you can appreciate a classic car. 
That 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 is true. You know, there are certain events, and and I suppose classic is you know we all look at different car cars differently, and, and what our determination of a classic is, and and certainly you know as the the next generation comes around, uh, you know, when you get people and they look at cars from the 80s and the 90s and they go, well, that's a classic. And you're like, no, nah, really, I was thinking of something from the 20s and the 30s or, or the 50s and 60s. But <laughs> yeah, um, <that's... laughs> no, I, I agree with you. I think more. Yeah. 50s, 60s, 20s, 30s. Yeah. yeah. So, well, excellent. So uh, when you were growing up, who was your favorite driver? You know, as a, a kid growing up in England, and I never got to watch him race, but but he was, uh, you know, an idol and he passed away much too soon at uh, racing. It was a driver by the name of Jim Clark. Um, but because he wasn't, you know, because, again, he he got it got killed racing probably during my school days. Jackie Stewart, um, he raced for the Tyrrell team, uh, which was the top team at the time. You know, he was British. He was winning world championships. He checked all the boxes as a schoolboy sort of idol from a point of view of, of of drivers. And another person that had retired but still was very prominent in the press was Sterling Moss. Um, and that went on really to the end of Sterling's life, which was only just recently that uh, he, he passed away. But uh, probably as a in school, Jackie Stewart would have been the 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 the, the idol. Gotcha. Would have been would have been your favorite. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. So you have gotten to to experience all different sides of motorsports, um, which seems kind of perfect for your current facility because you have all kinds of different events there. So tell tell the listeners a little bit more about the M1 Concourse facility. OK, so M1, as I mentioned earlier, we're located in the city of Pontiac with the south part of Pontiac, right on Woodward Avenue, with 87 acre what we classify as as an entertainment and motorsports venue. So we have a one and a half mile, 11 turn high performance driving track. Um, wasn't designed for wheel to wheel racing. Um, so uh, what the, the the type of of performance driving it's done on here is either sort of you know sports cars. Um, but we do one event. Uh, our signature, a big signature event of the year, is an event called the American Speed Festival. Happens the first weekend in October. And, and what we do is put together 10 classes of cars uh, that do timed runs or demonstration runs. Um, there's a number of events in Europe and, and they come under the classification of hill climb. Uh, we don't have a hill here and, and we use the complete circuit, uh, but it allows us to get a real cross section of cars out on the track to show them to the spectators um, how they operate under speed. Now, some cars given their value or their historical significance um, again, a point of demonstration runs. But because they're not under wheel-to-wheel competition, it allows a, a lot more cars to be showcased. Uh, we were very fortunate last year uh, that, that Jim Hall sent out four of the Chaparral cars from the museum in Midland, Texas. Um, that hasn't happened in a, a long, long time. You very rarely see more than, actually, you haven't seen more than one car run. So uh, again, it was a format that allows us. So we have vintage indie cars, and vintage could be anything from uh, indie cars from the 60s right the way up through the 80s. We had some Formula One cars. The Henry Ford Museum sent over what's called their sweepstakes car, um, the, sort of the 1901 uh, tribute car, and, and lots of cars in between. So that's the that's the format of the track that we have here. Now we do other events here. 
Um, it's not our event, but uh, Motor Trend magazine in conjunction with Dodge um, actually bring back the traditional old drag racing right on Woodward Avenue. They close a section of Woodward Avenue in front of M1. Um, they do an event called Roadkill Nights. That happens here. And then the following weekend, we do our big Woodward Dream Show, which is the Friday before Woodward Dream Cruise, Dream Cruise each year on the Saturday. Wonderful. So that's that's very cool. Um, the event that's at the end of October where you get to see all those different mm-hmm. classes and types of cars. What's been one of your favorites to see? Well, I, I must admit, seeing, you know, two the two high wing chaparral cars, you know, come around the first time when they were on the track last year was 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 certainly one of those very memorable moments um, of, the, you know, there were three cars on. One was Jim Hall's, what's known as the USRRC uh, championship winning car, um, and then his other two high wing cars. Um, another special moment, and this wasn't at an event, it was actually a, a private track test day. Um, but we were, um, the Penske organization had rented the track for a day, and it turned out that Roger Penske was coming out and he was going to drive or he drove the Porsche RS Spider that won the Sebring 12 hours. And then Jim Farley, the CEO of Ford Motor Company, uh, was going to drive uh, Penske Motorsports Australian V8 supercar championship winning car, the Scott McLaughlin car. Yeah. Um, and they were doing a test day because the cars were soon after that going to go on a plane and go over to the, the Goodwood Festival of Speed, where both uh, Roger Penske and Jim Farley were running those two cars up the Goodwood Hill. Um, so that that was a special moment. Um, other you know interesting things that happened here. You're talking about the Detroit Grand Prix last year, and that's an event that has uh, an IMSA race included in it. So last year, I think the event before a Swiss-based Lamborghini team had had an incident and they wanted to do some testing, so they called us up and or the organizers of the Lamborghini uh, series called us up and said, you know, could this team come out? They wanted to come out and make sure they had the, the car set up properly for Detroit. Um, and uh, fortunately, they came here and uh, they went down to Detroit. And I think they came home with a, with second place, uh, a second place finish. So not too shabby. That's wonderful. That's I say that's a, a great benefit to those teams to have you that close to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. Um, that's very cool about Roger Penske and the CEO of, of GM coming out to. To test drive some cars. It was it was the CEO of Ford. Jim oh, Parker. CEO of Ford. Sorry. We better not get those mixed up. I better not. Uh, <laughs> CEO of Ford. Excuse me. Uh, very cool. Very cool. And then I I read that you and your wife went on a tour of basically just automobile automobile museums. That, that's correct. I, you know, I used to be in the, I used to run a, an automotive museum in Northern California called the Black Hawk Museum in Danville. In fact, I was there twice. Um, so having a lifelong passion for cars and having been in the museum business, you sort of, you know, you you never leave that business. There's just something about the museum world that that always strikes a passion. So we always make a point when we go somewhere uh, to sort of see there's car museums. And uh, you know, during the the shutdown with the the pandemic. Uh, we were in Arizona at the time and we decided, you know, we'd, we'd go and see as many museums as we could. And uh, uh, there was a sort of there's a museum guide out there and we tried to check it off. So we actually came here. We went to the Detroit Museum. We went to Philadelphia, see the Simeon Museum. 
Uh, I've gone on a plane, went over to uh, Newport, Rhode Island, see the Audrain and the Newport Car Museum. Um, so that, that, that is something that's fun. And I'm extremely fortunate that uh, uh, my wife enjoys what I find very passionate as well. You my, are very fortunate. My trade-off that her family heritage is uh, uh, in the aviation world. So we always have to go make sure there's aviation museums around, which I love as well. Well, that's that's not a bad trade-off. Yeah. You know, I find that most people that that enjoy racing also enjoy aviation. It's still it's still cool things going fast. That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved when we had the air race here at IMS. Um, yeah, that was just that would have cool. been interesting to watch. I'd been to Reno a few times uh, during the Reno air races, but I, I've, I've read articles about the, the Red Bull races that used to happen at IMS. That would have been interesting to watch. It was very fun. One of the one of the coolest things was they had a, a trick helicopter. Um, and there are only two pilots in the world that are certified to fly this type of helicopter, and they could do backflips in it and wow. all of these things that defy yeah. the laws of physics. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah. Now, I remember Very going, cool. you, know, you go to Reno, and you look at what those planes are doing, and, and you know, I studied engineering in college, so I think I have a pretty good understanding of most things mechanical, and you look at it and you go, that just shouldn't be able to do that. Yes, that's that's how I felt about the helicopter. I'm like, without exploding. Yes, I just I just don't feel like this should be able to work. (laughs) So, but yeah, aviation museums, not a bad trade off. Um, What was your what was one of your favorite museums that you've been to? Um, There is one outside Tucson. um, And it name slips my mind. It's it's a warbird museum. and, you know, given that it's in Arizona um, and, and uh, the climate is very uh, forgiving for outside displays and they've got a lot of real estate out there, um, they have some you know, pretty unique um, and some of those really enormous planes, you know, military planes from the 50s that, um, you know, you just look at and you go, you can't imagine that they thought, OK, let's let's build something this big. Um, that was a, that was a fun venture. It was also a very hot day uh, out in the Arizona desert, um, but that's always fun. And, and when we go back to England, I always like to feel um, uh, there's a place in England called Duxford, uh, which is sort of the epicenter of of warbirds in the United Kingdom. Um, and, and going to sort of Duxford is always always great. There used to be a museum in Santa Monica, the Museum of Flying. It was at Santa Monica Airport, but uh, it was a small one. But they had some um, some really neat planes there. For a couple of years, I was at the auction company I worked for. We did a warbird auction. We did one in Santa Monica and they did one up in Reno. Um, and that, that was a, an interesting experience. I bet. I bet. Now, I hear that you're coming to the Indy 500 this year. Yes. Yes. So didn't, didn't make it last year. Obviously, you know, it's a you know, it sort of got moved, but uh, heading heading over there Thursday of next week and, and really looking forward to it. Excellent. Oh, good. So you'll be here for Carb Day and the whole weekend. Yes, there's the I think the Thursday evening, there's the the old timers dinner. So we'll be going to that. And then um, uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Museum and standing on a new exhibit there as, a, as a, a card carrying member of the museum for a number of years. I always make a point of stopping by there. Um, and, and then it's going to be great to see, you know, what the, the, the speedway, you know, hopefully back to full capacity 
um, having, yes. you know, w- running Laguna Seca when I did for that period of time, I got to know the uh, Doug Bowles, who's the president of Indianapolis Speedway Museum. So, uh, you know, always the opportunity to go over there on a, on a, on a 500 weekend should be fun. Absolutely. No, Doug's a great guy. Um, he's a he's a great, great steward and a promoter yeah. for, for IMS. But, yeah, I absolutely love the Hall of Fame Museum. Yeah. Um, it, it was it became kind of a joke in my family that everybody knew if, if I picked you up from the airport and we had a couple of hours to kill, we were probably going to get Mexican food at my favorite Mexican restaurant here in town. And we were definitely going to hit the hall of fame museum because, you know, there's always different cars when you go, so you can go multiple times per year. Yeah, that should be good. And, you know, now that the, the speedway is, is, uh, um, is, is fortunate to have a, a custodian is in Roger Penske, Absolutely. Um, It's going to be, I think, exciting. You know, the fact that he acquired it and then the pandemic hit uh, was a shame. I think it will be it will be great to see, um, you know, that place, you know, with, uh, uh, you know, at full speed um, with with the Roger factor in place and, and everybody on his team. Absolutely. No. And he he does he does an excellent job of, of choosing good team members. Yeah. I mean, he he, he has to. He's only one yeah. man. Yeah. Uh, but it it is remarkable what he yeah. and his team have done. And I'm I'm excited for them because they yeah. didn't really get to show off all their hard work yeah. even last year since it wasn't at full capacity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited for this year. I think it'll be a, a great, great year. You know, I don't think anybody predicted the winner from last year. So I, I think that, you know, it has to be a fan's favorite. You know, it's been a long time since there's a chance of a five-time winner actually happening. Um, yeah. I do remember it's probably, the, it's probably been a really long time since I've shouted at the TV at the last few laps of a race, but I remember doing that last year. Uh, that, was <laughs> a, that was an epic finish. It was an epic finish. Oh, it was a very, very exciting finish. Uh, there are... There are very few years that I'm not shouting at the end of that race, I feel. <laughs> at least none, none in recent memory. Yeah. Uh, so uh, will you be in the Pagoda or where are you sitting on race day? Um, I'm going to be enjoying it. So I'll, uh, um, I'm going over there as, a, as an invited guest with a group, which I'm very fortunate uh, to be part of. Excellent. Excellent. Well, if you are, which... And I'll tell you, wherever they are, they're all good. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're all an excellent time. So, yeah. so yeah. So you'll be going more as a spectator um, with this group. Yes. No, I have no, no responsibilities. Oh, that's the best way to go. That's the best yeah. way to go. Yeah. Well, if you see me out, I'll be wearing a checkered dress. Feel free to say hi. Yeah. I also am a spectator on race day. Yeah. I do some media responsibilities yeah. early in the morning. And then after that, it's... Yeah. It's time for Bloody Marys and yeah. and race day festivities. No, it's going to be sad. You know, obviously, it, you know, the following weekend, and as you say, IndyCar comes to Detroit, um, you know, for that event here. Uh, we're, um, uh, we have a good good relationship with the, the team at the Detroit Grand Prix. Um, obviously, it's an event that has the IMSA. Another thing that's added this year is there's a, they're bringing the historic endurance cars. Um, to the Belle Isle event. Um, so that, that should be good because some of those guys run at our American Speed Festival and, and the um, Vintage Indy uh, Racing Organization. They aren't, they aren't doing a Vintage uh, Indy Day uh, at the 500 this year. Uh, I think they were uh, going to Road America next. 
Um, but it's it's uh, it's always good to see, you know, some of the older drivers or, or past uh, um, sort of participants in the 500. Uh, I know a good friend of mine, she's actually going to be one of our speaker series guests later in the year, um, Linson James. I'll, I'll always, you know, spend some time with her over the 500 weekend. She's actually going to be in Detroit coming up soon. She's been inducted into the Automotive Hall of Fame, I think, uh, in June. So. Excellent. Excellent. And she's our speaker series that we do the first Saturday each month here. Um, she's coming here in September. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's a that's a great opportunity to hear her speak. Um, yeah, she's got she's got wonderful stories and and experience. She certainly does. Now, okay, so your your two big events. We've got the one that's in October, and then and that's the Speed Fest, correct? The American Speed Festival, which this year we're celebrating 60 years of Shelby American um, and, and all the, the things that Carol Shelby was involved with. And we're also celebrating 75 years of Ferrari. So we're not, not doing a Ford versus Ferrari theme. We're just doing the, the, the two respective uh, celebrations. And then uh, we do a Master of Motorsports honoree. And this year, our Master of Motorsports is Peter Brock. Peter was the the, the designer that created the the, the um, Shelby Cobra Daytona Coupe uh, that they went on to win the world championship with. And, uh, you know, Peter's going to be our, our honoree for Master of Motorsports at American Speed Festival. And then earlier in August, the third week in August, when we do our Woodward Dream Show, um, we're recognizing or celebrating 90 years of the 1932 Ford Model B, uh, what's known as sort of the deuce, um, certainly probably a car that, that most um, is, is most celebrated in the, in the hot rod world. So we're going to do 90 years of, of the deuce, all versions, uh, 100 years of the Lincoln brand. And there's a couple of Lincoln models that were very much or still are very much uh, used by customizers. There's the uh, Lincoln Zephyr, the big Lincoln Zephyr coupe that's changed a lot. And then the mid-60s Lincoln Continentals uh, that are mostly in the sort of the resto mod category. So we're doing that. And as we're located in the city of Pontiac, we always try and find a Pontiac model or something in the Pontiac history um, that we could celebrate. And this year's is 55 years of the Firebird. Oh, wow. That's excellent. I like that. I like that tradition since you are in Pontiac. That's a wonderful wonderful thing to do so 55 yeah. years of the firebird yeah which what a fun car yeah absolutely isn't it i mean there's you know whether it's the early ones the 60s ones um you know or the you know the the the, the you, it's you either love it or you don't but you can't take away the smoky and the bandit firebird you probably did more for trans ams and firebirds than than, than any other model oh <laughs> uh, yeah I don't I don't recall ever seeing a firebird that I didn't like the look of. Yeah. It. yeah. <laughs> well, excellent. Um, where's the best way for uh, for folks to find find you guys online uh, website or social media? So on. Um, so M1 Concourse has is our main site. So it's it's M1 Concourse. And that's a number one concourse.com. Um, or each of the events has their own separate website. So it's American Speed Festival dot com. Or woodwarddreamshow.com. Excellent, excellent. And, and uh, ticket tickets are available now. We put some some multi-day packages together for 
Speed Festival. Uh, we've got a program going for car clubs to be invited in advance of Woodward's Dream Show on the Friday when we do the big event. On the Saturday, which is the day of the Woodward Dream Cruise, um, we're actually going to open up M1 to invited car clubs they can use as a base for their car corral. But in the morning, uh, we're going to do an escorted parade of about 200 cars from the car clubs to leave M1, go up and around what they call the Woodward Loop that goes around Pontiac. We'll go downtown Pontiac and, and stop for a sort of a photo opportunity and then come escorted back to M1. And then they could spend the day here or can go out and cruise Woodward if they wish. Oh, well, that sounds like a wonderful time. Yeah, That's, that sounds like a lot of fun. Makes yeah, you, have to, you have to decide how much time you want to devote. So last year was my first year at Woodward Dream uh, Cruise. And on the um, this on the Friday evening, we decided to, uh, to to see what it was like. So we went to, from Pontiac. We're, so we're all the way at the north part. Um, we never made it down to Ferndale, which is the south part of the cruise. I think we got the best of Royal Oak and turned around. And what would, should have been a 40-minute drive took the better part of four hours. Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, yeah. Say so a little more little more time than you had, had planned. Lot, 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 a lot of fun cars. There's everything and anything that's out there. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Uh, funny story about me. I actually, when I was learning how to drive, we had um, a 1959 Ford Etzel. And so that is actually the car that I learned how to drive in. That's um, neat. It is. I think, you know, I'm probably in single digits of people that actually like the Etzel, but it's because I have, you know, a little nostalgia attached to yeah. it. I will say, you know, time is very kind uh, to cars that maybe weren't much loved and appreciated, you know, when they first came around. But there's pretty much some type of appreciation society, owners club or fan club. Um, to, to most makes and models um, or, or categories of cars, which is wonderful because you, you get to see, you know, all manner of cars out there. But, um, yeah, that's a good thing about time. The, the, the unloved in their day certainly have an appreciation and an afterlife. They do. They do. No, when we um, when we were looking, we, we eventually sold it and there was no shortage of of Etzel groups, people that absolutely loved yeah. Etzels. Yeah. So, yeah, for I mean, I, we, we could all find opportunities if you had the ability to go back in time um, to whatever era and, and buy cars that for, you know, 10 cents on the dollar, because back in the day they were, you know, after their you know, the first couple of years. Oh, here comes the uh, Canadian National uh, 339. Anyway, um, <laughs> you know, if you, you know, there was a period long before there was such thing as historic racing. You know, old race cars were old race cars and they had no use. There was no way you could use them. So they just got discarded at, uh, at discount prices. And, and now these cars are priceless. Um, you go back and look through old issues of, of Road and Track magazine or, or any of those magazines from that era. And, you know, you just wish you could t time travel back with one's checkbook and, uh, uh, and pick up a few. If only. Yeah, really. If only. Yeah, that would be. <laughs> That, that would be priceless. Uh, so what's your favorite? Uh, what are some of your favorite classic cars? Well, I've been you know, fortunate, whether it's the time in, in the, the, the classic car world or the time running in museums that I've been sort of exposed and had the, the privilege of, of, of driving um, a real cross section of cars. 
So, you know, whether it, it's cars from the, the, the late 20s or early 30s or from the 50s and 60s, um, you know, sports cars, predominantly European sports cars. I, I would say if you if you get back into the sort of 30s, um, you know, obviously pre, pre, pre-war Bentleys and, and uh, Rolls-Royce Silver Ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, but anything from that era I just think is is wonderful. You know, from the American side, you've got Packards and Duesenbergs, mm-hmm. um, unlike a lot of cars. Uh, they can be really nice until they become temperamental and don't run properly, and, and then all of a sudden you don't like them quite as much as you thought you did. Um, <laughs> from the from the sports car era, uh, probably as a kid, you know, a GT40 uh, was iconic, the Jaguar D-Type, um, and, and Aston Martin's uh, Le Mans winning car from, from the late 50s, the 1959 DBR1. Um, but there, there are a lot of cars out there that, uh, would 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 be on my list. It would be a very long list. <laughs> I can understand that. I can understand that. There are a lot. Um, I, I would have quite a long list as well. Yeah. I agree with you. There is just something about those cars from the 20s and 30s that they just have a very regal appearance. Yeah. And they, you know, and you you do have to drive them. I mean, now nowadays, you know, nearly. I mean, there isn't a bad car out there. Every car is so well made at all levels. Um, but you know, you get a classic car, it, it's an experience, you know, it's, uh, um, it can be unpredictable. You know, sometimes we, we, we save and they always seem to get what it calls stage fright before they're either supposed to go out for an award. Um, you know, there's a, there's, there's, there's a bit of a joker among sort of people who own British cars. You can always tell somebody that owns an English car, especially an early, an older sports car is, you know, that they, they never put the seatbelt on until the engine has started because, it doesn't always start, and that means you just got to take your seatbelt off to get out and work out what's gone wrong with it. But um, <laughs> it's just the it's just the character of driving older cars, and uh, you know. it is it so is not, not for everybody, you know. That's why there's this the world of resto mods. You know, people, you know, you want to drive around in a '59 or a '64 Corvette, but you don't want the, the the you know the mechanicals or the creature comforts from those days. You know, you want air conditioning, you want good suspension, you want you know sort of uh, bet, better power and performance. So um, it's over the decades, it's generated this whole sort of resto mod uh, world, which, you know, when you look at any of the auctions, either in person or online, you can see that, you know, people re- are really like that. They like to drive older cars, but they want the modern experience still. Yeah, no, there is a lot to be said for that um, and, a, and a huge market for it. Because, yeah, like you said, you can have that have that experience of driving the older car, but not the the unpredictability <laughs> without that and, unpredictability factor. And, and, and i think for those of us who had sort of older cars back then what we remember and how it was is always slightly different you know I, I i've known friends that have wanted to go back and buy the car they had back in the day and they buy it and then they go ah this wasn't quite what i was remembering it was was well, not quite as good so <laughs> yeah say little rose colored glasses when you're looking back on it yeah. Uh, yeah, my dad always uh, he learned how to drive in a Packard. And so he always lusted after Packards whenever we'd see them at car shows and things. And yes, so oh, oh, I'd, love to, a, I'd love to have a Packard again. Pack, Packards are, are, are wonderful. You know, when I first came over, I wasn't familiar with the with the Packard brand um, and, and they make, you know, great cars. Um, but it, it's it's when you drive them, you realize how wonderful they are. And, and that was their, you know, their advertising slogan i think was ask ask a man who owns one or ask a man who drives one um and and if you the classic car club of america 
um, does a number of what they call caravans, you know, where their owners groups will drive different parts of the country. Um, and there are more Packards in any of those driving um, events um, than most other marks because they, they, they're nice to drive um, and they're a lot more reliable. Um, so uh, th those are great cars. They are. They are. And they're not bad to look at either. No. <laughs> some, <laughs> some, some of them, they made some some stunning. The ones with custom coachwork on uh, uh, are absolutely st stunning. Some examples I've been, you know, going to, to Pebble Beach Concours for many, many years, which for, for most people is probably the, the, the top international classic car event. Um, and, and if they have a, a packet as a feature or as a pack of class, whether it's pre-war or post-war, I, I should say, you know, pre-war, whether it's, um, you know, coach built or factory built. And uh, yeah, there are some, some stunning examples. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, I um, will let you go, but I want to ask you just a couple more questions. So number one, who do you think is going to win the 500? Oh, <laughs> Or who would you like to win the 500? You know, I, I, I'm going to have to say I, I would like to see Helia do it again. So we go five five time. I think okay. that would be. Um, now, that, that being said, there's, there's, there's lots of other. Um, I, I've, I, when I ran Laguna Seca, I got to Simon Pagano was was somebody I got to, got to know. Um, you know, I think the, the most important thing, it's exciting. It was a safe race because motor racing is dangerous at any level, even with all the safety thing. It's True. an exciting race. Um, yep. And, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with Helio winning. I, You know what? I'd be okay with that as well. I'm a I'm a huge Simon Pagano fan, so I'd be okay for him to get his second win also. Yeah. yeah. No. I'd be just, just fine with that. So. But uh, Col Colton's um he, he had a good run albeit a very very wet road course last weekend so we'll see but it's the 500 anything can happen anything can happen you just you just don't know <laughs> just kind of depends yeah we we have a, a saying which is the the track chooses the winner there we go <laughs> so all right well tim thank you so very much for uh for joining us appreciate it and uh with if you're heading up to the Detroit Grand Prix up at Belle Isle. Make sure to go a little bit further up to Pontiac and uh, and check it out. Um, hit up the American Speed Festival in October, and then it was the the Woodruff. Wood, Wood, Woodward, Woodward, the Woodward Avenue, Woodward Green Show in the third week in, third weekend in August. There we go. Make sure to check that out. Lots of lots of cool car things. That's just a short drive from Indianapolis. So thanks so much for listening. <laughs>